Hey, how you doing? Welcome back to the Learn Life Podcast, the podcast where you can learn life. It's your host, Merit, and we are reading through the Celestine Prophecy. We are currently on chapter, should be chapter four. Is this chapter four? It's the fourth insight. And the title of the chapter is The Struggle for Power. This is part two, so if you would like, you can pause this one here and check out part one and come back. But we are on page 74 of The Celestian Prophecy, a book by James Redfield. And I'm reading from the 20th anniversary edition of the book. Um, and so if you may recall that we were discussing the exchange of energy between people, um, psychological violence being passed down through parents to children, um, and this concept of exchanging energy between us, as well as coincidences, which we said there's no such thing as coincidence. However, you don't notice coincidences if you're not paying attention. So what is the truth? (laughs) Anyway, let us move on. Again, we're on page 74. I'm about three quarters of the way down. Let's see. Maybe one, two, three, four, maybe five general paragraphs down. So here we go. After about 30 minutes, Renault emerged. After about 30 minutes, Renault emerged from his tent, the flashlight in his hand. He walked over and sat at my left. Will was yawning. That insight is amazing, he said. Could anyone there actually see those energy fields? So uh, he, Renault, I had skipped over this part in the book, but Renault has just gotten a copy of the third insight. So that is what he read. And he's commenting on that now. I briefly told him of my experiences, beginning with our arrival and proceeding through the point where I actually saw fields myself. So yes, this is the energy fields. This is what we see in the air as an aura during an interaction between people. We, and it's an, it's an interesting concept, but I've, I've honestly, since reading this, I've tried to both see the energy fields and be more conscious of the energy that I am putting out. Meaning I visualize, what I visualize is sunlight. I don't know what you may visualize as a representation of your good energy right the the positive the one that builds up the one that wants the best etc but for me i picture it as sunlight or bright light meaning the energy that i'm trying to put out there would help you to grow the energy that i put out there would make you feel warm and comfortable and um cozy and all of the good things that i personally enjoy and would love to feel as I interact with other people and so I try to put that out myself. So it is the exploration of these energy fields and being able to actually see them which would help you 
to know which situations to avoid and which ones to indulge more clearly. So, yes, the bottom of page 74. He was silent for a minute, then he asked. They were actually doing experiments where they projected their own energy onto plants and affected the plant's growth? It affected their nutritional potency too, I said. But the main insight is broader than that, he commented, almost to himself. The third insight is that the universe on the whole is made up of this energy, and we can affect perhaps not only plants, but other things as well. Just by what we do with the energy that belongs to us, the part we can control. He paused for a full minute. I wonder how we affect other people with our energy. Will looked at me and smiled. I'll tell you what I saw, I said. I witnessed an argument between two people and their energies were doing really strange things. Renault pushed up his glasses again. Tell me about that. Will stood up at this point. I think I need to turn in, he said. It's been a long day. So even through this, we can see the character Will has recognized an energy occurring between the main character and Renault. And he is also, by recognizing that energy, realized that his presence may hinder the good flow of this energy or that the absent, his absence would encourage that good energy to flow more freely between these two people. So it's taking it a step further. It's not only being able to see the good energy or the energy movement between other people, um, as well as between ourselves and other people, or even as they mentioned, the plants that you can affect with great energy. Um, it's also recognizing where your energy is not needed, where you can conserve that energy by allowing, once you see a good flow, to flow without you. And that's a big part of the ego. You know, Will could have stayed and interacted with them and been a part of the conversation and just to know exactly what was going on. But he recognizes almost immediately that his absence may be more productive to this interaction between these two people who we've already established um, Renault feels familiar to the main character. So there's an interaction that they need to have that Will does not necessarily need to be there for. And that's really important. Not only do we need to know where we're supposed to be, we need to recognize where we're not needed and be comfortable and okay with that. Our egos put away to the point where you allow an interaction that will better the group that can occur without you being there. So I just wanted to pause and, and make a note of that. Uh, so yes, Will has left. We both said goodnight and Will entered his tent. I am at a quarter way down, page 75. Afterward, I described as best I could what Sarah and the other scientists had said to each other, emphasizing the action of their energy fields. Now, wait a minute, Renault said. You saw their energies pulling at each other, trying to, say, capture each other as they argued? That's right, I said. He was thoughtful for a few seconds. We must analyze this fully. We had two people arguing over who had the correct view of the situation, over who was right, 
each seeking to win out over the other, even to the point of invalidating the other's confidence and to outright name-calling. That is also important to note. It's an argument over who had the correct view versus it being a discussion about perspectives. Suddenly he looked up. Yes, this all makes sense. What do you mean? I said. The movement of this energy, if we can systematically observe it, is a way to understand what humans are receiving when we compete and argue and harm each other. When we control another human being, we receive their energy. We fill up at the other's expense, and the filling up is what motivates us. Look, I must learn how to see these energy fields. Where is this Vicente Lodge? How do I get there? I'm going to pause again because I'm not sure if I'm saying that um, the lodge's name correctly. I did look it up. You know, I did use the Google. The Google has a, a pronunciation audio that says it. And what made it difficult is the I after the C. So there's a way to pronounce the name without the second I in it. But once you add that I after the C, it's supposed to change the pronunciation and even Google was unsure. So moving forward, <laughs> just so I don't mess up the name, once I see the, the, lodge, the name of the lodge, I'm going to call it the V Lodge and um, you're going you're gonna to deal. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's move on. Okay. So the V Lodge, how do I get there? Bottom of page 75. I told him the general location, but said he would have to ask Will for specific directions. Yes, I'll do that tomorrow, he said with commitment. For now, I should get some sleep. I want to leave as early as possible. He said goodnight, then disappeared into his tent, leaving me alone with the crackling fire and the night sounds. So... That was, yeah, a good exploration of the energy of an argument and the fact that the argument is not about pushing that good energy, but rather acting as a vacuum, as I mentioned before, or trying to draw the energy toward you without exuding energy back, the good energy, I should say, back, so... Next time you engage in an argument, think about it as an exchange of energy and that um, and that it is, you know, something that you should be aware of or you need to explore. I'm engaging in this and is this good? Is this benefiting me? Am I benefiting the person? Um, so on and so forth. So I'm going to jump ahead and, uh, a lot happens in between the pages that I've skipped. There is some conflict, but it adds to the story and I want to kind of stick to the main points that I want us to explore. So feel free to read through, but we are going to jump to page 86. They are introduced to a, a character 
that is an antagonist named Jensen. So here we go. We started to walk away when Jensen called out. You'd better stay here. You won't make it. I glanced back. Will stopped and looked at me, giving me a choice to stay or go. Let's go, I said. We passed the truck in which Will had arrived, and I noticed two other men had been waiting in the front seat. When we got to Will's Jeep, he asked me for the keys, and we drove away. The truck with Will's friends followed. Will turned and looked at me. Jensen told me you had decided to stay with his group. What was going on? How do you know his name? I stammered. I just heard all about this guy, Will replied. He works for the Peruvian government. He's a real archaeologist, but he's committed to keeping the whole thing secret in return for exclusive rights to study the manuscript. Only he wasn't supposed to go looking for the missing insight. Apparently, he's decided to violate that agreement. He is rumored to be leaving soon in pursuit of the ninth. When I learned he was the person Marjorie was with, I thought I'd better get down here. What did he say to you? He told me I was in danger and that I should join up with him and that he'd help me leave the country if that's what I wanted. Will shook his head. He really had you hooked. What do you mean? You should have seen your energy field. It was flowing almost totally into his. I don't understand. Think back to Sarah's argument with the scientist at V. If you had witnessed one of them winning, convincing the other that he was correct, then you would have seen the loser's energy flowing into the winners, leaving the loser feeling drained and weak and somewhat confused. The way the girl in the Peruvian family appeared and the way he smiled, that you look now. You saw that happening to me? I asked. Yes, he replied, and it was extremely difficult for you to stop his control of you and to pull yourself away. I thought for a minute you weren't going to do it. Jesus, I said, that guy must really be evil. Not really, he said. He's probably only half aware of what he's doing. He thinks he's right to control the situation, and no doubt he learned a long time ago that he could control successfully by following a certain strategy. He pretends to be your friend, then he finds something wrong with what you're doing. In your case, that you are in danger. In effect, he subtly undermines your confidence in your own path until you begin to identify with him. As soon as that happens, he has you. Will looked directly at me. This is only one of the many strategies people use to con others out of their energy. You will learn about the remaining ways later in the sixth insight. I wasn't listening. My thoughts were on Marjorie. I didn't like leaving her there. Do you think we should try to get Marjorie? I asked. Not now, he said. I don't think she's in any danger. We can drive out tomorrow as we leave and try to talk to her. So, we'll pause there. Uh, To note, Jensen, in this case, was not evil or bad off the bat, right? The main character thought that Jensen was trying to help him. Uh, He says, yeah, he says, um, 
He told me I was in danger and that I should join up with him and that he'd help me leave the country if that's what I wanted. So Jensen had some other motives, let's say, but he does not he did not come in with an attack. He came in by appealing to the certain energies that the main character would have been feeding, which is, you know, I'm in danger. Uh, you join up with me, you'll get help. And presented him with something that he probably would have wanted, which was leaving the country because he was in danger. So I want to ex- I want to just repeat um, the way that the character Jensen control the situation successfully by the strategy that's used and you can apply this to anybody that you may come in contact with and see if there are any similarities or as we mentioned coincidences in what the person is doing because it may be a strategy to gain access to your energy one moment sip break okay So, number one, excuse me, he first pretends to be your friend. So, looking at somebody with a strategy to try to control you or the situation, the first thing they're going to do is pretend to be your friend. Number two, he finds something wrong with what you're doing. So, if you got somebody who's a friend, but they find something wrong with what you're doing almost immediately... They're probably trying to get control of the situation. And again, a lot of this may be done subconsciously. So don't treat it as though it's an attack, but you would just be able to now have the tools to recognize it sooner and perhaps recognize it in yourself. I'm sure you meet people, you want to be their friend, you're very friendly, and you come out with something that they're doing wrong, you know, kind of out of the gate or very early in the relationship. The fact is you don't know why they're doing what they're doing. And until you develop a relationship with them, you would be better informed about, even though what they may be doing is wrong, you would be better informed about how to approach them with it, the reasons why they may be doing it, they may be struggling with something that they need help with, that you can help them with, things like that. So resist the urge of the gate out the gate right (laughs) resist the urge from the initial introduction aka out the gate of um telling somebody what they're doing wrong so in effect they subtly undermine your confidence in your own path until you begin to identify with them so by reducing your confidence level you then transfer that confidence energy to them and then now you identify with them so if you find yourself you know like oh yeah that is wrong um you start to feel insecure about certain things and then suddenly you look to that person as the authority for what you should be doing and in most cases you kind of just met them you know what i mean like uh, you don't know them very well So you need to be conscious of that. You need to be conscious of, are you starting to feel insecure in this person's presence because of what they're saying? And if you do, why? And then number four um, 
it says as soon as that happens he has you so as soon as that happens they they've got you you're basically under their control and they can then manipulate you mentally to do what it is that they have in mind for you to do which in most cases is to try to get you out of the way because they've perceived you as a threat but we will go into more of that later maybe <laughs> if i remember to come back Alrighty, so just wanted to read this little clip at the bottom of page 87. All this is still unconscious in most people. All we know is that we feel weak and when we control others, we feel better. What we don't realize is that this sense of feeling better costs the other person. It is their energy that we have stolen. Most people go through their lives in a constant hunt for someone else's energy. So what this is saying is that we feel weak, especially when we do not. The goal is to get the energy from within. The goal is to get your strength, to get your balance within rather than seeking external ways to achieve that are without right so by we artificially feel stronger by controlling others and we do that through these manipulations that we mentioned just now but we have to be more conscious that by our feeling better through these methods it's because the other person has given you your energy so you know you can interact with people you know that feeling where you interact with somebody and you feel refreshed but then you can also tell if the other person feels refreshed by the exchange if you can tell that the other person does not feel refreshed then you have been an energy vampire you have sucked the energy from them and i'm sure on the other side you are well aware of feeling that that feeling of being drained after interacting with somebody, having a conversation with them or trying to get something done with them and you feel drained after the interaction. They have now then sucked the energy from you. They feel better because they got your energy and you feel, you do not feel good. Um, so it's that exchange. And like I said in the previous episode, you want to be more conscious of trying to exude a more positive energy or give the other person good energy so that it becomes more of an exchange rather than one side or the other having to feel bad based on the desire for control through sucking out the other person's energy, training them of their energy. So hopefully you understand what I'm trying to say. When somebody is dominating you top of page 89 um just wanted to quote this when someone is dominating you psychically they actually take your mind away so when someone is dominating you through this control psychically mentally your mental power is going to them so that's why the author is talking about psychic violence as a big part of human culture, a big part of what we experience is trying to dominate somebody else psychically, trying to dominate somebody else's mind in some way. In some cases, it's good. For example, we 
put on a seatbelt when we travel in the car. You know, this is a, or there's a law, don't text and drive, right? This is a domination psychically through through the use of a law. But, you know, the law only works if the majority of people agree with it mentally and agree that this sort of control is fine. And we use that to our benefit. But there is a way also that the mind can be dominated negatively. And a lot of times we see that through the media, through the news, through... uh, Honestly, the media... (laughs) I'm sorry. And I I understand the irony, this being a podcast platform and all, a media-driven platform. However... Um, there are aspects of the human experience that are negative done, that are done psychologically or what is it? Psychically. Psychic domination. Psychic violence. And then near the middle of page 89 uh, Will says but the only reason that any conflict can't be immediately settled is that one side is holding on to an irrational position for energy purposes. So, if you've found that a conflict cannot be settled between you and another person, either you are holding on to an irrational position or they are holding on to an irrational position for energy purposes. What does that mean? Once you hold on to that irrational position, let's say you are the person who is refusing to resolve the conflict, right? You hold on to that irrational position and then you then now create a vacuum for the energy to go into from the other person. The other person would be interested in solving the conflict, finding some resolution. But by you holding on to your rational position, you now control the energy of the interaction, which usually happens negatively. That's why we're encouraged to let things go during a conflict because you your ego will not allow you to see your position as irrational once you are so focused on putting energy into you know the conflict or the argument or whatever not until you say let me take a step back let me relinquish the reins of the energy in the situation let me observe you now are able to tell if your position is irrational or not. But you cannot do that in the midst of somebody trying to control you through controlling your energy by holding on to this irrational position. So I just want to read that again. I love that line. The only reason that any conflict can't be immediately settled is that one side is holding on to an irrational position for energy purposes. Right? Okay. So, oh boy, look at the time, look at the time. I am going to take a pause there again. Oh no, no, we're almost at the end of the chapter, so I don't need to. If you can bear with me for just a few more minutes. I know it's a bit longer than usual, but I am happy that... Um, I'm happy that we're almost at the end of this one and we can move on. So that's great. Bottom of page 89. 
Let's read this last little excerpt. I picked up the small flashlight Will kept on the floorboard and for the next 20 minutes read the short document. So he he now has a, the main character now has a copy of the fourth insight. So he is reading it. Understanding the fourth insight, it said, is a matter of seeing the human world as a vast competition for energy and thus for power. Yet, once humans understand their struggle, the insight continued, we would immediately begin to transcend this conflict. We would begin to break free from the competition over mere human energy because we would finally be able to receive our energy from another source. I looked at Will. What's the other source? I asked. He smiled but said nothing. It's top page 90. So that's the end of the chapter regarding the fourth insight. We'll move on to the fifth. But to me, this was important because for two, two reasons, and I'll quote them, right? The human seeing the human world. It is, let me see, understanding the fourth insight, I said, right. Is a matter of seeing the human world as a vast competition for energy and thus for power. The human world is a vast competition for energy and thus for power. What's the key word there? Competition. So being a part of this world and existing in this world means that we are in almost immediate competition, placed in almost immediate competition with each other in various ways. This is not abnormal. This is natural in the animal kingdom. And this is the part of human beings that we try to pretend does not exist. The animal within us. We are part animal and therefore part of nature. I don't make the rules. I just talk about them. So if you know anything about the animal kingdom, the I mean, the differences with human beings, we are, I don't know if we're the only species, but we are the main ones that cannot survive on our own at the time of our birth we have to develop into being able to function without a parent it's almost a complete opposite generally speaking in the animal kingdom um many many animals at the time of their birth they have to go they have to survive you think about um fish sharks crabs turtles, um, <laughs> giraffes, uh, buffaloes, I'm just thinking general, ants, you know, from the smallest to the largest, whales, blue whales, they give birth to their young and they are, that's it. They may stay within the tribe or the pod or whatever, the, the pride or whatever you refer to them as, but... They have to learn to eat right away by themselves, hunt, walk, run. Uh, gotta learn quick not to get eaten by a predator. <laughs> Whoever's above you. These things happen within um, seven days or less with many, many species. With us, however, we at birth have no survival skills whatsoever, completely reliant on somebody taking care of us. And we're still in competition. See, with animals, you have that competition right away, but they're prepared. 
We are put into a competition without being prepared, and we have no natural instinct for it. Which I always think is interesting. Again, potential to be explored on another podcast, should I ever remember. But with this, it's like humans are competing for energy because that there's that break within us that we are not a natural source of energy for ourselves. We have to get it from an external source, which usually ends up being each other. And that competition is also for power. So you find people become active energy drainers to be able to feel more powerful than another person. Okay? And then it goes on to say, once humans understand the struggle, we would immediately begin to transcend this conflict. So we would immediately immediately begin to transcend the idea of competition amongst ourselves. That competition over mere human energy. So rather than competing to try to get energy from other humans, other, <laughs> other human sources, we now, it says, uh, we're now going to explore receiving energy from another source. Now I have an idea of what that is. Of course, I've read it. I don't remember exactly what it is, but you, you know what it is, right? This idea of God, the universe, nature, however you may personally refer to it. Um, our energies cannot come from other human beings. If it does, we receive no satisfaction because we then hunt for another human to extract energy from. You understand? So we need to remove this idea that we are getting and we need to get energy from other people. And now, as the fifth insight is, is indicates that the fifth insight will go into receiving energy from another source where there is no competition for that source. And that should excite you. It excited me. Anyway, <laughs> thank you very much if you have stuck it out to this end. I thank you so much. I've enjoyed the last part of this chapter. Moving on, we will go into the fifth insight, which begins, if you want to read ahead, it begins on page 91 of the book. And I look forward to exploring the ideas that are presented in that with you. As always, have a great time. Bye.